2: Don't feel like you don't have a purpose. You have a purpose. We've all been gifted. We've all been empowered. And your original purpose is to come to Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Otherwise, the rest of it really doesn't matter. So just come to Him. So before you were born, God had an amazing purpose for you. And that purpose is unique to you. There's nobody else like you. Nobody identical. And God has all these people, almost 7 billion in the world. All unique, all purposes. Of course overall what to make God look good
0: it's staggering to consider that all of the billions of people that have ever existed that there has never been anyone like you even identical twins from the exact same DNA are unique in their personalities and their essence this is the way that God intended it and he's given you unique skills and proclivities to honor and serve him in a unique manner Pastor Mark will be teaching about the ways that God prepared David for the role of king and leader of Israel, and will illustrate and remind you of the parallels that exist for you in your own life. God has a purpose and plan for you. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 1 as he continues his series called The Life of David.
2: Hear your lessons for when a Christ follower is hurting or suffering, it should affect all of us. Now, in our four campuses, more than nine thousand people every weekend come. Probably twelve, fourteen thousand people call this their church. Well, that's impossible. We'd have a list of hundreds and hundreds of people every week. You couldn't even get through them. But God will get you connected to people that you know. Smaller groups, smaller settings people that we can relate to. And when we hear that, we should have concern for them. We should pray for them. And from time to time, you know, we talk about martyrs and all kinds of things. When we go to India, we see that. We're actually going to have a table for Christians that are being martyred. I think it's coming up this weekend or the following weekend. It's a great ministry to pray for people. Most of the time, we don't know those people. But we can pray for them as a general way because around this world, guys, people are suffering all over the place for Christ. I mean, it's amazing. There's no freedom. There's none of that stuff. But here, if you know somebody, and so many of you do that, here in the hospital ministry and you pray and whatever, but that's what David's doing. He's just being reminded that even though he and Saul didn't see eye to eye, at one time they did, Saul did a lot of right things, but he died out of the will of God. Now go back to 2 Samuel. As I said, this young man had to be worried when he doesn't see a celebration, he sees a mourning It says in verse 13, David said to the young man who brought in this report, Where are you from? I'm a son of an alien. And Amalekite answered it. David asked him, he's getting really nervous now, Why were you not afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And then David called on one of his men and said, Go, strike him down. In other words, kill him. So he struck him down and he died. For David had said to him, Your blood be on your own head, your own mouth testified against you when you said, I killed the Lord's anointed. Now remember something else. There could be a little of this in there. Who had just caused tremendous suffering for David, the families, and the kids? The Amalekites. They're the ones that came and destroyed Ziegle, burned it down, captured the wives, children, whatever. So with all of that in the history, and of course Saul... And knowing that this guy lied to him and wanted a reward, that was the end for that man. Then 17, David took up a lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan. And he ordered that the men of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. It is written in the book of Jashar. Now, this is one of those things. David was an amazing warrior, but he had this gift of writing. I like people that have the gift of writing. I don't have the gift of writing at all. Some of you have a great gift of writing. Of course, you see that because in the website and all the rest, Barb has a gift of writing. Lots of other people have different gifts. I have zero of that. I watch all these guys that write. How in the word do you write that stuff? But David had both, a warrior and a writer. It's kind of an odd person. Can you see a sword and a Kindle in the same hand? I mean, or an iPad, whatever. It's crazy. Um, So he writes this funeral song, actually. It's like a eulogy. And eulogy and funerals is simply a good report, good things about this individual. It's a book of Jashar. We don't have it anymore. It was taught to the people, taught to kids. It was part of the historical records of David's reign as well. And a lament that when David ascended to the throne, he did it innocently. He didn't push himself. So David wanted the people to know this. We don't really have it anymore. And he wanted to know that even though David waited and waited and waited, he waited for God and the will of God and chose to remember Saul in a generous way. And you'll see that as we go through. Now, one of the things that you have to think about this, and there are times you've been to a funeral and it's a little embarrassing. You're going to see a eulogy. So what is a eulogy? It's a time when you talk about the person that died good things about them. Could we talk about bad things of anybody that died? Well, sure. Come on now. I mean, could you think of some bad things right now about your wife or your husband? Sure. You're going to say them? Over your dead body, you're going to say them. (laughs) And we see other people. There's always something good to say, right? So you do that. And then you leave it to the pastor to not talk about the bad things, but just talk about general principles. So a eulogy is to talk about some good things about the person. You don't go to a funeral and go, I didn't do this, and you didn't do that. Oh, thank you. That's uplifting. Nice memories. And so if you're ever asked to do a eulogy, and the pastor interrupts you as you're killing the person down this way, you'll know why. So if you're ever asked to do a eulogy, it's good. Just say good. Say good good with me. Good, good, good things, good things. So you you have to find some good things. And what you're going to see here is good things. And I'm not going to take a long time with it tonight. Just quickly go through it because I have some more things I want to share. Now, verse 19. Your glory, O Israel, talking about Israel as a nation, lie slain on your heights. You're going to see this word, this phrase quite often. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. Now, David didn't want, in this. He's, he's saying, I don't want the enemy cities to know of the death of King Saul and his three sons. I don't want them making fun of God. But what do we already know? It was already going to happen. David hoped it wouldn't happen. Because he knew what the Philistines would do with it. And they did. As we told you, remember, they took the bodies, hit Cut Saul's head off and took the bodies, hung them. Uh, and uh, he, he was praying it wouldn't happen. But it did happen. Oh, mountains of Gilboa where the battles took place. By the way, we go through it when we go to Israel. We go right by Mount Gilboa. May you have neither dew nor rain nor fields at your offerings of grain. For there the shield of mighty was defiled. The shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. So what does David do in a poetic way? He, he curses the Gilboa Mountains where the great defeat happened. He's basically saying to the mountains, would you mourn? Now it's interesting, if you go to Mount Gilboa, probably more of a, a legend, but there's parts of the mount that are like bald. Nothing ever grows there. And so sometimes people go to the Old Testament, they go, yeah, that's exactly right. That comes from David's lament. Verse 22. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. So what is he saying? He's Notice he's not talking about the bad things of Saul. What is he saying? You can't call Saul or Jonathan cowards. They were in the battle. They were in the battle right to the end. They went for it. They were there. So he's doing positive things with them. 23. Saul and Jonathan, in light they were loved and gracious, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle, Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother, you were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women." And David's remarks, again, we've talked about this before, and I'm going to take time tonight. had nothing to do with sexual overtones. David was speaking about the character of Jonathan. There wasn't anybody in his life that had more character, men or women, that David could count on. Jonathan was that guy. Let me just remind you of this for a moment. Character. What is character? We don't have too much of that today, other than... Sometimes when we speak about Washington, D.C., there's a bunch of characters, but with no character. Um, Here's the definition of character. The attributes of features that make up and distinguish an individual. So character, that's important for you and I. Jonathan had lived with radical self-denial. See, he was supposed to go to the throne, but he gave it up for David. It wasn't an issue with him. He rightly should have moved in as being the son, but he didn't worry about it. He was a man of character. He gave absolute support to David and and the Lord's choice. So he was submitted to David. He was submitted to the Lord, and he was submitted to his father. Jonathan was a man with godly character, and even though his father failed, Jonathan didn't. Now, James 3.15 says, For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So what do I mean by that? David knew that Jonathan w- denied himself. He wasn't selfish. Selfish, he'd have taken the throne off. So what is a picture of character night? It's putting others first. It's thinking about other people. You know people like that. You go to them when they're always doing nice things for other people, and they're they're kind, and they're, you like to be around them. That's a beautiful picture, and that's what it is. Now, let me just make this statement quickly. Too often, we blame what we are, or the lack of our character, on our upbringing. Well, my dad did this, and my mom did this, and I didn't have this, and I was born there. and didn't have this, and I was born there. Now, if that was totally true, what would Jonathan have turned out like? Very different than he did. Why? Because of this next statement. Take responsibility for your own life and character. Quit making excuses. You say, well, Pastor, my my mom didn't, my dad didn't, didn't have education. Forget it. You take responsibility for your own life and your own character. God can overrule all of that. He will overrule all of that. I think of Greg Laurie, great Calvary Chapel pastor at Harvest, does the Harvest Crusades all over, just amazing church. I think his mom was married and divorced seven times. He's been married now like 35 years or something. Just overcame all that. With all that, never knew who his dad was going to be and all this. You know, we we can use all kinds of things for excuse. Well, that's just the way I am. Well, probably so. But God doesn't want you to be that way. He wants you to be a person of character with the fruit of the Spirit. So just a good challenge for us because sometimes we can just lean back. Jonathan is somebody very different than his dad. Now, verse 27, here's that word again, how the mighty have fallen. The weapons of war have perished. That's repeated over and over again. How did Saul fall? He fell simply because he had a hard heart. He had a hard heart. Over and over again, God spoke to him. He wouldn't wouldn't give in. And because of that, he fell, the nation fell. And David would begin to take it over. Now, I want us to go back quickly to Psalm 78, if you will. And this is a great psalm. It's kind of the summary of the nation of Israel. And it gives us a little picture of David overall. So before we get into the the details of David's reigning... I'd love to go through this. It won't take us long. I'll actually do it in three or four minutes. Psalm 78, verse 70. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, and with skillful hands, he led them. Notice the first part, that first verse. He, God, chose David. Life is all about God. The people didn't choose David. David didn't choose David. God chose David. Why is that important? God chose God chose. What does that mean? When you see that next statement up there, God chose, it simply means this. God had a purpose. God had a purpose. He had a purpose for David. God has a purpose for you. And God has a purpose for me. And I want to fulfill that purpose. David had no clue he'd ever be the king of Israel. But God did. He chose him. Remember Colossians 1, for by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers and authorities, all things were created by him and were for him. We were created by God for God. As we follow Jesus Christ every day, we follow his purposes, not our purposes. Sometimes that's hard. But if I understand that, when I have the following God and his purpose and his timing, all of a sudden in my life, for me, there's purpose and there's meaning. I mean, there's nothing better than that. What are people looking for today? Purpose and meaning. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from the world. It comes from God. God chose. God chose David. But I want you to write this down tonight in your notes. and I'll put your name in it. Watch here. God chose, put your name right in there. You've been chosen by God for a purpose. Lots of purposes. See, God knows you. He created you. Don't feel like you don't have a purpose. You have a purpose. We've all been gifted. We've all been empowered. And your original purpose is to come to Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Otherwise, the rest of it really doesn't matter. So just come to him. So before you were born, God had an amazing purpose for you. And that purpose is unique to you. There's nobody else like you. Nobody identical. And God has all these people, almost 7 billion in the world. All unique, all purposes. Of course, overall, what? To make God look good. Now, it says there in that verse, God chose David his servant. Notice he doesn't say his king, his servant. What do I want you to remember about that? For every Christ follower, what's the most important thing, first thing in my life? is to be a servant. See, if we're a servant, then we don't care. We're not in the titles around here. First and second, third and fourth, whatever, PhD. If you have all those things, praise God, good for you. Nothing wrong with that. You worked hard for them. But really, when you're on the operating table, they're not calling you, whatever. They just got that name, and it's a first and last name. And they make sure you got the right one before they cut you open. And by the way, when you're on that table, I've been there many times in the operating room watching people, not too often there. When you're there, you're one of two kinds, and that's about it. You're naked, and you're either a man or a female. And of the rest matters. Sorry, that's how it goes. And when you leave this world, how are you going to leave? The same way. So don't get too proud of yourself, but you were created in the image of God. And because you're created in the image of God, the thing that shows above all else is we're a servant. Notice Corinthians. So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ, as those entrusted with the secret things of God. A slave, an rower, part of the team. True greatness. Jesus is our model. He came to do what? To model servanthood. He chose David to be a servant. Yeah, but he, he chose him to be a king. He chose him to be a servant. What do we see from the Apostle Paul over and over again? Over? The greatest apostle in the New Testament. What do we say? Over and over, How's he open his letters? Paul, a servant. Of Jesus Christ. A bond slave of Jesus Christ. See, he got it. He wasn't in the titles. He knew he was simply a servant. True greatness. True greatness. Is being a servant. We'll look at verse 70. He chose David a servant. And he took him. From the sheep pens. From the tending of sheep. Where he learned so much. Like Moses. How to deal with situations, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob of Israel, his inheritance. What is that a picture of? God took David from here to there. When we go through second Samuel, what are we going to see? It's a journey. You and I on a journey with God. David simply followed God after the call. Now, he was around 17 years old when that call began. As we pick it up, the next time we study, he's about 30. So a few of those years were very good. And then many of them, those last 10, he was a fugitive. He had some tough times. But he was on a journey with God. He was moving David into place where he would be used. God's moving you tonight. You're on a journey with God. It's not an event. He's moving you from place to place so he can be useful, of course, for God. Then notice what it says. To shepherd his people. Here's what you need to remember. What was David going to do? He was going to focus on God, his will. He was going to focus on the people. That's what a shepherd does, takes care of the sheep. And he would use his time protecting the sheep. Jesus says to us, John 10, 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You're on a journey. You have a great shepherd. You have some earthly shepherds. Our goal is to spend our time with you, loving to be around you, helping you, praying with you. Our heart is for you. You need to know that. And our goal is for you to do the same thing, to be out there and be the hands and the feet and the heart and the mouth of Jesus. It's all about people. In verse 72, I could spend all night on this, but I'm going to end with it right now. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. Now, there's something to put on a gravestone. Integrity of the heart. What you see, you get. Real, full of godly character, and using the skills that God gave him to lead the people. What does a shepherd do? He feeds, he tends, he gives vision, and he leads. We have a great shepherd tonight. He does that. He leads us beside still water. He restores our soul. Even though we walk through that valley of the shadow of death, we have to fear an evil, why? Because he's with us.
0: In today's teaching, Pastor Mark spoke about the kingdom of Israel and its division after the death of Saul. He taught how this can be like the body of Christ, Now how division there weakens the church's authority in the world. In addition, this gives the devil greater power to sow mayhem in the church of Jesus, which then gives the world an opportunity to disparage the name of Christ. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue teaching about David's life. You'll hear how David, now fully back into a proper relationship with God, begins to seek God's direction for David's fledgling kingdom. You'll hear about David's continuing difficulties even after getting right with God and how his life in that regard is no different than yours but you will see God's hand working nevertheless. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right.
1: In a hurry